Good day and welcome to another week of our Bible study. We in the Gospel of John, chapter 4. We'll be covering verses 11 through 19 this week. And the title of today's lesson is that Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman, part 2. In last week's lesson, we learn or we seen where Jesus, I guess, gets on the Pharisees' radar, so to speak if you remember, right? The Pharisees realized that Jesus is becoming more popular than John the Baptist because many people were flocking towards Jesus and his disciples. And the Bible told us last week that it wasn't Jesus that was baptizing, but it was Jesus's disciples that were baptizing them. Now we know that John the Baptist, he had a job to do on this earth and that job was to pave the way for Jesus. And that's exactly what he's doing if you've been following us in a Bible study as we go on through the Gospel of John. So many people, he's pointing them in a direction towards Jesus. And the Bible tells us that many people were going to Jesus and his disciples to be baptized, which tells us that John the Baptist's ministry, it's basically coming towards an end, right? So we see that although that many people are flocking, to Jesus and his disciples. We learned last week that Jesus leaves and he heads back to the Galilee. Now, he heads back to the Galilee for two reasons. See, it wasn't the right time to get into a confrontation with the religious leaders. Because if you remember, everything's on God's timing, right? But also, he heads back to the Galilee to fulfill prophecy, right? Remember, Jesus' first miracle that was predicted by the prophet, you know, Isaiah, occurred where? It occurred in the Galilee. So he's on his way to the Galilee, but then Jesus, he steers off, and he goes through the town or to a place called Samaria. Now, if you remember from our lesson last week, the Jews don't associate with the Samaritans. But Jesus has a message. And he has a message to this Samaritan woman that he meets at Jacob's well. And he meets this woman at noon. See, Jesus was talking with this woman because, and Jesus asked her, if you remember. Jesus says, give me some water, give me a drink. Now to us in human form, we may think that Jesus is thirsty, right? Because he's been walking a great distance. And we know that the route he took, there was many hills, many mountains, many valleys. So he's going up and down, up and down, right? But you see, the message for her really was about revelation. The message for her was, was really about redemption, about showing that he is the Messiah, showing that there is eternal kingdom that's ahead, and she can have that eternal kingdom right now. See, it wasn't about following her traditions. It wasn't about being stuck in her culture, following the traditions of man, following her religion. That's the message that Jesus was teaching last week. But following the truth, you see, following the word of God, following him, that believing in him, that he was the Messiah. So what we're going to see in today's lesson is that Jesus continues talking to this Samaritan woman about the kingdom of God about the eternal kingdom, that, that eternal kingdom, you don't have to wait for that eternal kingdom. That eternal kingdom can be here 
on earth. So with that being said, open up your Bibles to John chapter 4. And we're going to start off how we ended last week in verse 10. And verse 10 stated this last week, if you remember. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God. See, Jesus asked her for some water. Right. And she went on and she said, you asking me for water, but I'm a Samaritan woman and you're a Jew. Remember, they don't associate. He says, if you would know the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink. You have asked him and he would have given you the living water. Now, we look at this word new. If you knew the gift of God, Jesus says the word new in Greek means remoteness. This shows something that is far removed, far away. So what Jesus is telling her is this, that if you knew the gift of God, but she was so far away from that gift, right? She, in other words, he's saying that you remo it's remote to her. Why? Because of her traditions, because of her culture, because of her upbringing and her religion. And also he says this, that it is, and who is it that asks you for a drink? He says this, that you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. See, what Jesus is saying right here is that if you wouldn't be so removed because of your religion and your traditions, then you would know that it is I, the Messiah, right? And I can give you not this water, but living water that lasts forever. That lasts to eternity, right? So Jesus here was claiming to be the Messiah. Verse 11 states this. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? And Jesus says in verse 12, she says, she says this to Jesus. Are you greater than our father, Jacob? who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock. And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water. So that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, the woman replied. And Jesus told her, you are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is that you have five husbands. And the man that you are with now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, you, I see that you are a prophet. So go back to verse 11. So we just discussed verse 10. He's claiming to her to be the Messiah. He's telling her, if you wouldn't be so far removed from your religion, if you wouldn't be so far removed from your culture and the traditions, right, that you would know that I am he, that I am the Messiah, and I can give you this living water that goes on forever, that, that never ends. And look what she says in verse 11. She says, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. So where can I get this living water? So you see, she's thinking of his message. And, and from Jesus' point of view, this message has great kingdom implications, we can say. 
But you see, this woman is focusing on the words, on her present situation. In other words, she's looking at this, what Jesus is saying from an earthly standpoint or from a natural standpoint. She's looking at it from a fleshly standpoint, we can say. But here's the problem, right? If we would always be thinking about life in this world, right? From a from a freshly from a uh, you know from from a natural standpoint or from the flesh, right? Then we're gonna miss out on the kingdom of heaven in our lives today. See, everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus said, every miracle that he performed, always pointed towards the kingdom of God, to the kingdom of heaven, the eternity, right? So you see, the message for us is that when we look at life. From an earthly standpoint, in other words, from from the flesh, right? Instead of a kingdom reality, instead of from a kingdom perspective, then we miss out on what God has for us, right? You see, if we're focusing more on our life, this is what I'm trying to say, than the kingdom, then our life doesn't have meaning in this age. And it's certainly not going to have when we die. See, our focus should be on the kingdom of heaven. Our focus should be on what can I do to enlarge the kingdom? What can I do to become a better disciple, a better follower of Jesus? Because a disciple means a follower, right? So we need to be thinking, because that's why we were put on this earth for, was to fellowship with God. And because of sin of what Adam and Eve did, right? Sin, death, all of the negativity came into this world. But when you become a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you and lives in you and that light shines out through you. And that light should shine out like a beacon that radiates people to you. So you can tell them about the kingdom of God. You can tell them about the goodness of Jesus. Amen. And this is what brings satisfaction, we can say. So when we as disciples, as humans, right, when we thirst for that living water that he wants to give us and it's free then this is what satisfy our Heavenly Father, you can say, right? See, when we thirst for His living water, we need to thirst for it. Because if not, then we will be unsatisfied. And eventually, maybe, eventually, if we never get close to God, we're going to eventually face the wrath of God, right? Because this is so important, what I'm fixing to say here, right? These are the things that we must understand. These are the things that we must focus on. Is living a kingdom reality here on this earth. But you see this woman at first, she's not getting this. She's not understanding it. She's thinking in the flesh. She's not walking in the spirit, so to speak. Now, if you look at the, go back to the, to the text up here. She says, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Now let's speak a, a little while on this word draw. This is speaking of having something to get the water because Jacob's well is deep. If you remember in last week's lesson, there's some scholars that say this well is 120 feet deep. And there's even some scholars that say this, this well is up to 200 feet deep. So because it's so deep, one needs something to fetch that water, you can say, right? See, we can't do this ourselves. That's what the scripture is trying to tell us, right? That's what this woman's saying. We need an instrument. We need a tool, something to, to hold the water and to bring it up. So what we can get from this message is this, that we need assistance. 
And in the same way, we need assistance. We can't find this living water in and among ourselves, right? We need help. We need it too. But here's the problem. This woman understands this from a physical standpoint. In other words, getting water from this well. But Jesus is talking about the living water, not just water in general. And she thinks about the fact that, that I can't get this living water. I need assistance. So look what, look what else the scripture tells us. She says, where can you get this living water? So she knows here that he isn't speaking about this well, Jacob's well, so to speak. She thinks in her mind, it's another well, right? So she asks, where, where can I get this living water? I, I want some of this living water. So this tells us a very important truth right here, that this living water isn't from the earth, meaning it's not physical. It's not materialistic, right? It isn't something that we can purchase. It isn't something that we can buy. It's not something that we can work for. So you might ask, how, do, how can we get this? We can get it because it's a gift of God through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 12. She says, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his livestock. So she's doing something right here, right? In one sense, she has interest in this living water. But, but in another sense, she goes back to her culture. She goes back to her religion. She goes back to society blockage between the Samaritans and the Judeans, you can say, right? So she goes right back to her father, Jacob. You see, and in their religion, remember, it was an offshoot of Judaism, the Samaritan religion. Their religion says that they were the chosen people of Jacob from a spiritual standpoint, right? Not all of the tribes, but only those Samaritans who are a part of it. This is what she believed because that's what her religion always taught her, right? So she goes back to the importance of this well and she says how Jacob is one that gave them this, right? That, that they were to drink from this well, not the Judeans, right? Who, who, who focused on in a place called Jerusalem, she said, right? So she's going back to her culture. She's going back to her traditions. She's going back to her religion. But look what Jesus says in verse 13. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. So Jesus makes it very clear here, right? Look what he says. He says, anyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Now, here's the spiritual truth in the physical context, right? You see, everybody or every day this woman, should I say, every day this woman goes to this well. And every day she draws water. And she has to draw water every day in order to survive because she has to drink, right? And every day because of this woman's reputation. She doesn't want to be seen in public. She goes at noon, the hottest part of the day, and she draws water. And she draws water enough just for that day. But the next day, what's happening? She has to go back at noon and draw water again. And the next day, so it's a continuous cycle that she's going every day. So we can say that this woman is never satisfied because it's never enough water that she draws because she has to go back. Day in, day out, day after day after day. But you see what Jesus is talking about here is eternal water. 
He's talking about it lasting forever, everlasting water, where one can be satisfied, where this woman can be satisfied, where she's never going to be thirsty again. You see, once again, she's thinking from, a, from the flesh, right? From a natural standpoint. But Jesus is speaking to her of an eternal standpoint, from an eternal point of view, from a spiritual point of view. You see, when we are eternal minded, which means kingdom minded, because kingdom and eternity relates to one another, right? It goes together. It goes hand in hand, right? There's a quality at last that endures, not something that is scarce, not something that goes away in time. So if we go back to the scripture and we look, Jesus says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty. So he is saying that you will never be satisfied. You see, if you live for things of this earth, you might have pleasure in money, right? You might have pleasure in materialistic things, but, but really there's a void because you never satisfied. You're always looking for something else because the materialistic things, this things from the earth, from the flesh, never satisfies. That's the message that Jesus is trying to tell us and trying to tell this Samaritan woman right here, right? But look what else Jesus says. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water that is welling up to eternal life. So Jesus is saying the water that he supplies is everlasting. That's what he's saying. In other words, the water he supplies never comes to an end. It never runs out. It's for eternity. And this water is connected to the kingdom. You see, he's given her hints. He's given her clues that there is an eternal kingdom. Why? You see, if you focus on the kingdom, then who are you going to focus on? You're going to focus on the king. Because what I'm telling you is, Without no kingdom, there is no king and vice versa, right? Now, we see once again that this word eternal life is brought up at the end of the scripture. Now, if we go back to chapter 3, if you remember, over and over and over it talked about eternal life. Eternal life. We ended chapter 3 with the word eternal life. And here it is again in chapter 4, right? So he, he wants to send us a clear message here that he's constantly talking about the kingdom. He's constantly talking about eternal life. It's important. Remember, this life on earth will end. The Bible says you're appointed to die once, then judgment. Right? Then where are you going next? Heaven or hell? It's one of the two. That's eternity. That's for eternity. It, it's eternal. I mean, you, it never ends. So he's telling her right here, this eternal life, this kingdom life, it can be right now. It can be starting at this well, and it can last forever. But look what the woman says to him in verse 15. Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So she's thinking physically here, right? See, she, she hasn't, you can say she hasn't yet connected through her spiritual dimension. She's still thinking about the kingdom, but from an earthly standpoint. Why do I say that? Because look what else the rest of the scripture tells us. Go back to verse 15. This is what it says. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. So she wants this water, right? In a sense, she wants it. 
But she's thinking from the flesh, from the earthly standpoint. Why? Because look what else she says. So that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water. So here's her motivation for this water right here. See, this woman's middle-aged, right? And, and she probably gets tired of coming to this well every day and drawing water. And she thinks, I come to this well and I draw water. And I'm satisfied for right now, right? But tomorrow's a new day. And here it goes again. It begins all over again, right? And this cycle will never end. She's going to be coming every day of her life, the rest of her life until she dies, to draw water at noon at Jacob's well. This means her work doesn't have a kingdom dimension to it. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us here, right? And I have a question for you today, right? Does your work, right? In other words, what are you doing in your life? have a kingdom quality? Does it have a kingdom aspect? Is it kingdom driven? You see, there's many people, they live, right? Just like this woman, they live in a cycle, right? And, and they go through this cycle, they go through this same routine day in and day out, every day. In other words, you can say that many people just live for today. And tomorrow, it's the same thing. They just live for the next day. So they live day by day. But these people never progress. See, they, they don't have transformation. They don't know the peace and the joy. They aren't thinking of, of any future whatsoever. They're just trying to survive in this world. But you see, this isn't the life that God wants us to live. God wants us... He wants to give significance to our existence, right? Not materialistic things. That's not what I'm talking about, right? Or, or qualities or money. That's not what I'm talking about. Because those things are here today and gone tomorrow, right? If you read the book of Proverbs and so forth, it tells you that, right? Just like King Solomon said, vanity, vanity, right? In other words, what he's saying is this doesn't satisfy. Materialistic things don't satisfy. But what Jesus offers, right, that living water, one that lasts forever, one that lasts into eternity, that's what really satisfies. When you become a follower of Jesus, you become a good disciple of Jesus, and you let God and you let Jesus direct your life for the kingdom to glorify him, to glorify his name, that's really what matters. Not how much money you have, right? Really not how much work you do. I mean, really, it's good that you're doing work, especially if you're doing work for the kingdom. But that's not what saves you. What saves you is that relationship with Jesus and doing Jesus' will, right? Repenting of your sins. What Jesus did on the cross, it's a free gift. You need to accept it. Because of what he did on the cross, when you become a believer in him, it's forgiven. The Bible says when you repent, he remembers your sins no more. And you start walking in the Spirit. You start living in the Spirit. You, you start living for Jesus. And, and you let Him lead you and direct you from a spiritual aspect. This is for eternity. And Jesus is telling this woman, this, this can start today. And it can go on forever. Right? So we can say that, that she's thinking once again in the physical. Going back to the scripture, right? She's thinking from the flesh. I mean, she, she's, she's thinking that she's, she's tired of coming every day to get water. So she thinks to herself, 
Man, if I can receive the water that he's asking right now, I'll no longer have to come every day. So let's kind of summarize verses 13 through 15, right? See, many functions of people's lives parallel the functions of their physical life, we can say. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you is this. As their body hungers and thirsts, so do their souls, right? And we need to remember, we feed our bodies. We, we water our bodies. In other words, we, we, we hunger and thirst and, and, and we give that body nourishment, right? But we need to remember, our soul needs nourishment as well. We need spiritual water. We need spiritual food, so to speak. But this woman, she's confused. The two kinds of water, perhaps, you know, no one has ever talked to this woman, maybe, about spiritual hunger, spiritual thirst before. Maybe that's why she's doing this. Probably that's why. Because of her religion. Because of her traditions and her culture. You see, we would not neglect our bodies, right? In other words, we would not give our bodies food or water. We wouldn't neglect that. So why would we neglect our soul? Our soul is forever. Our body will not. Our body's going to die. So it's very important that we feed our souls. The living word of God. Having a relationship with Jesus. Right? See, only the truth. Jesus is the truth. The word of God. His holy Bible. The word. These are the only things that can satisfy our thirst. Our hunger. This is what we need to be feeding our souls, amen? And that's what Jesus is trying to tell this woman. I can give you this, but this woman's stuck in her religion. She's stuck in her traditions. She's stuck in her culture. She's not thinking from a kingdom standpoint. She's not allowing the spirit to move in her. And Jesus is telling us the same message right here. That is only through him, only through our relationship with Jesus, that we can have this eternal life. It's not through our culture. It's not through our traditions. It's not through our religion, but it's through him. Jesus didn't come as a religion. Jesus didn't come as a denomination. Jesus came, right, for all to have an opportunity at eternal life. See, when we get to the kingdom of heaven, we won't be separated into different denominations, people, right? And as followers of Christ, we, that, that really shouldn't matter what religion you are. It really shouldn't matter. What should matter is if are you putting Jesus first in your life? Are you putting the truth of God first in your life? Or are you like this woman? Are you neglecting truth? Are you stuck in religious terms, so to speak, right? Are you stuck in your culture? Are you stuck in traditions? Or are you putting Jesus before that? That's what Jesus is teaching here. Jesus says, if you put me first, that I'm, I'm first place in your life, that you committed to me, then that kingdom can start right here. And I can give you a kingdom life here. I'm not talking about riches. When you hear people talk about, you know, God wants you to be rich and God, that's, that's, prosperity preaching that's not true it's not i mean it's good for the soul everybody wants to hear that right but it's going to go away it's not what's important jesus can care less if you're rich or you're poor what jesus cares about is how much you love him because he loves you back infinity times more 
And Jesus wants to fellowship with you. Jesus wants, Jesus wants you to, to read his word every day, to know his word every day. Why? Because it's the truth. It's the Holy Bible. And we know that Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. Jesus gives life. That's what he's saying here. Amen. Verse 16. He told her, go call your husband and come back. Now, he wants to bring a change in her life. Right? That's what I'm getting at here. In order for, for this to happen, this woman needs to see herself as God sees her. And, and in the same way, right? In, the, in a way that there's more to her life than just coming every day and drawing water in this well. Right? She's coming today. She's going to come back tomorrow. She's going to come back the next day. Right? I mean, it's a cycle she's going through. But you see, the same thing is happening in her marriage life. Why do I say that? Because we're going to see coming up that she was married five times. Now, marriage is supposed to reflect the kingdom of God. Now, why do I say that? Because if you remember how chapter 3 ended, Jesus calls himself the groom. And those that respond to Jesus, right? Those that have a relationship with Jesus. Those that put Jesus first place. They, they accept him. Jesus says, you become what? His bride. Jesus is the bridegroom and believers are the bride. Now remember this. How does the kingdom begin? We discussed this time and time again. The kingdom begins with a marriage banquet, with the wedding banquet. But this woman, she isn't having much success in her marriage. Remember, she's married five times. She's living with another man out of wedlock, right? So, so she has one marriage that ends in ruin. It doesn't satisfy her, you can say. So she goes on to the next marriage. But what happens? That marriage doesn't satisfy her, right? And the same thing happens over and over and over. It's a cycle. She's not having any type of success. So it's frustrating, right? And it's frustrating, especially when a marriage ends. It's painful. It's a hurtful experience. And this is what this woman's going through. And look what happens in verse 17. She says, I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. So go back to that first text. This woman, in one sense, she's speaking the truth when she says, I have no husband. But in another sense, she's camouflaging, so to speak, the reality. Right? She is speaking and she hasn't lied in one sense, you can say. But she really isn't giving full disclosure. So she is saying, I don't have a husband. I'm not married. Which is true. But what's the beauty of this, right? You see, Judeans, Jewish men, Jewish women, if you remember from our lesson last week, they didn't go through Samaria, right? In other words, they, it, it, they avoided that place. They went around it. They avoided it for two reasons. One was the physical, going up and down the hills, right? But secondly, probably the most important is this, that they had no communication with Samaritans whatsoever. And remember what we learned. They didn't communicate with one another. They didn't talk with one another. They didn't associate with one another. So here, she, she didn't really know any Jewish men at this time, and she specifically doesn't know Jesus. It's the first time she meets Jesus, right? So 
you can say that she, the first time she, she meets Jesus and, and he was speaking to her in, in terms of something that she really didn't understand. So what Jesus tells her here, he, he says, go get your husband. And, and she says, I have no husband. And in this sense, she is correct because she had been married five times, but now she's just living with this man. She's not married to this man. Look what Jesus tells her in the rest of the verse. Jesus says, you are right when you say you have no husband. So Jesus right here tells her the truth. He says, you're right. You have no husband now. But look what else he says in verse 18. The fact is you have had five husbands, he said. And the man that you are with now is not your husband. But you have just said it quite true. So Jesus tells her the full truth here. Why? Because Jesus is the truth. He tells her, you're correct. Right now you don't have a husband, but you have five before. And the one you're living with now, you're living with outside of marriage. Now I want you to understand that even among the Samaritans, this was seen as wrong. Right? That's why this woman has this reputation like she has. That's why she goes to the well at noon, because she doesn't want to be seen out in public. She was seen as sinful, you can say, right? She was seen as this going against the God of Jacob. It goes against their religion. So we see that this woman needs to repent. She needs to get things right with God. You see, if, if there's a problem in a marriage, maybe even your marriage, right? But I'm going to tell you what's happening, right? It's a spiritual problem. And it's manifesting spiritually with God, right? In other words, you can ask people that's been through divorces, right? Most of them, they'll tell you this. The majority of them, they'll tell you this. That Jesus wasn't the focus in their marriage. That Jesus wasn't the center of their marriage. That Jesus wasn't the center of their life. Remember what we learned early on in the Gospel of John. At the wedding at Cana, when Jesus turned water into wine, right? What was the message there, right? The message was that if Jesus is first place in a marriage, marriage doesn't get old. It, it doesn't get boring. Because the older the marriage gets, what happens? When Jesus is in there, the better it gets. Because as wine sits on a shelf, the better wine is what? The older wine, right? And that's what Jesus is referring to in that passage at the wedding in Cana. Jesus saying that if I'm a part of it and you put me first place in it, that things don't get bad. That things only what? They get better, right? They get better. So we see here that, that she just lacks. In other words, how many husbands this woman had? Five. And, and she's living right now with a man out of wedlock. So we can say that this describes her marriage because Jesus wasn't the focus of it. God wasn't the focus of it. It wasn't the center of it, right? It's lacking something. And when Jesus is not part of your marriage, when Jesus is not part of your life, then it lacks. You're missing out on something. You're not going to be satisfied. That's the message that Jesus is trying to tell this woman here. Amen. And not only this woman, he's trying to tell us that when he's not the center, 
He's not the focal point of our life that we lack. Right? There's problems that we all face in life, even if you're a follower of Jesus. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't, doesn't neglect you or doesn't omit you from you having problems. You're going to have problems in your life. We're all going to suffer. We're all going to have disappointments and heartaches and trials and tribulations. But when Jesus is the focal point of your life, he gives you the rest. He gives you the peace. He gives you the joy. And you continue on trusting in him and having faith in him and doing the work for his kingdom. Because that's really what he wants us to do. Because he says, if you do that, then that's what brings you happiness. That's what fulfills the joy. See, when you when you rely on Jesus, you know that you go through problems and tribulations and heartaches. Why? Because your faith is strengthening. He's developing you because he has more work for you to do. But you got to get through this right here, this test that you're going through right now. See, right now, some of you might be going through a test. But how strong is your faith in Jesus? How strong is your faith in the Lord? Because when you pass that test, he has something better for you. And he has another test ahead of you that's even greater than this. So we always going to be tried is what I'm trying to tell you. That's why he says being a disciple of me is hard. Being a follower of me is difficult, right? That's why there's two roads, a narrow and a broad. And that's why Jesus says in the book of Matthew in chapter 7, right? Starting in verse 13, I believe it is, or 14. He says, narrow is the gate, right? Narrow, Narrow is the road that leads to eternal life, but very few will be on that road. But wide is the gate and broad is the road. That leads to destruction and many will be on that, he says. Amen. He's telling us right here. He's giving us a sign. There's going to be more people that think, I'm talking about Christians, that think they're going to enter the kingdom of heaven. But they're not. They're on that broad road that leads to that open gate that leads to destruction. I didn't say that. Jesus did. But very few is going to be on that narrow road that leads to the narrow gate that leads to eternal life. See, there's a lot of us that's lukewarm. We're lukewarm Christians. And Jesus says, you can't be lukewarm because I spit you out. You can't. We want to straddle the fence. We want to live for the flesh one day, but one day we want to worship God and be a good disciple. And Jesus says, you got to choose. You got to pick. And which one you're going to pick? Which one you're going to choose? See, he gives us choices in life. And he wants you to choose his way. He wants you to walk in the spirit. He wants you to dwell, not in the flesh, but in him. He wants to give you this water, this living water, where you don't have to thirst, or you got it forever. But in order to do that, we need to feed our soul. We need to feed our soul with the truth of God. We need to feed our soul with the word of God. We need to feed our soul with Jesus coming first, having a relationship with him. Amen. Verse 19, last verse for today. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Now, understand this on two different levels, right? She's saying, right? She knows something here, right? She knows that she's never met him before. But he knows all this about her. So she's saying in in, in one way, you know all this about me. And the only one that could have revealed this to you is God. That's what she's saying. So she understands that Jesus has divine revelation. Now, this is important because this is where Jesus wants to take the conversation. See, he wants us and he wants her to understand things 
from a prophetic standpoint. Everything that he has been speaking about all has to do with a kingdom reality. It has to do with a kingdom presence. And he wants to show her this, right? So he tells her that, that he will give her this spring of water. And that this water is going to last forever. In other words, it, it never ends. It goes on for eternity. So she, she knows that he's a prophet. But is she ready to receive him, right? She knows he has divine revelation. But she, is she ready to receive it? No, she doesn't. Because she goes back to the Judean and Samaritan conflict. She goes back to her culture. She goes back to her traditions. She goes back to her religion. But you know, we are a lot like this woman. Because at times, we as well, right, like conflict. See, we live in a society that believes and that pushes things like traditions, right? And these things that they push is counterproductive in our lives. But here, he's offering to her something good. He's offering to her something that is satisfying, something that lasts for eternity. See, Jesus is offering her the kingdom of God. He's offering her eternity. And Jesus is offering you the same thing today. Amen? That ends our lesson for this week. We'll be back next week. We're going to continue on in the Gospel of John. Go be an inspiration to someone this week. Go help someone. Let that light shine in you and through you. That radiates and people see that light. And they're going to come to you. you they're going to be attracted to you and tell them about the kingdom of God. Tell them about the goodness of Jesus. Tell them about the truth. What did Jesus say? Go preach the gospel. Go let everybody know who I am, why I came. Let everybody know why I'm coming back and there's a place for you in my kingdom. So tell people about Jesus. Be a positive inspiration in someone's life today. We appreciate you all tuning in. Until next week, we love you guys. God bless.